Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing great. Eric, how about yourself? I am fantastic. I am uh, looking forward to our conversation. It's been a little while. You've had some people taking over the podcast in the last few episodes and that was kind of fun. Uh, but you know, it's good I'm always that trying to support this next generation and get them out there. So I had to prod them a little, but I think they did a great job. I, th- I think they did too. It was, it was yeah. a really good time and they had good topics. So listener, if you haven't heard those, go back and listen to those. Justin and Samantha did a great job taking over the podcast for a little bit, but Tim is back in the hot seat. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about, I call six power ratios. These are ratios that business owners should just think about because um, when you're looking to sell and Everyone eventually has to exit, you know, their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, buyers are going to want to know how, some of these power ratios, and you want to be prepared to be able to give them a response. So, I thought I'd just do a quick six important power ratios. Okay, six important power ratios. I don't know if I've ever heard that terminology, power power ratio. Well, you've probably been to your doctor recently, Eric, and unfortunately, well, fortunately, I've been to mine recently, and he let me know that my BMI index is. A little too high, or actually a lot of too high, but <laughs> my LDLs I got to work on. So I said, well, can we just do it in a way where we just measure progress uh, slowly? And he's mm-hmm. like, no, you really need to get on that. So uh, I don't know if you've been to the doctor recently where maybe you got a couple of power ratios given to you or thrown in your face. Yeah, it was actually last week. Um, oh, you know, I wasn't okay. I wasn't feeling too good, and uh, you know, the allergy season hits me pretty good. And the doc comes in, and you know, first thing they do is like, "Hey, why don't you jump on this scale right here? How about we Ooh. don't?" But I did because they told yeah. me to, and and then I'm justifying like, "Well, I've got jeans on, and my phone's in my pocket, and I've got my wallet still, and I've got like seventeen dollars yeah. and quarters, and you know, I could rationalize why my weight was higher than it was before, but it's Very really because of hibernation, buckle, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. My, my giant but Texas belt buckle. That's got to be 17 pounds right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, (laughs) it's not, it's all me. (laughs) So yeah, no, I, I I did hear some numbers that I didn't like. Uh, so, uh, I've definitely got some work to do as well. Yeah. And you know, we're starting baseball season. I just, a couple people have reached out to me about my, I love the white Sox. I have half of my brothers love the Cubs. We love the white Sox. So it's always fun in the summer, but the thing about baseball, and I don't know if you ever saw Moneyball, that movie, but they, that person brought ratios and benchmarks and statistics into that whole, the whole baseball you know industry, I guess you would say, mm. um, on base percentage. Not anything I ever grew, uh, had when I grew up playing t-ball because I was I'm sure I had a low one. Um, <laughs> but it, it applies also to business owners. And what I have found over the last number of years, as I'm helping business owners prepare to exit, a lot of buyers come in. And they want to look at everything, but they also want to talk about some specific tracking ratios. And I think if if business owners are prepared in advance to have these ratios to offer them, I think it first of all it impresses the potential buyers that they're on the numbers, but also I think it also helps get a higher price. So I thought I would just talk about that because everyone eventually exits. None of us get out of here alive, Eric. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. might as well have your six ratios ready, is what I would say. All right, let's start. 
So the first one that we work with, work on or look at with a number of clients is employees per square foot. And that's, you know, how many hmm. total employees do you have? How many, what's your office space, your commercial, um, industrial, et cetera. And you basically compare that to your employees per square foot. It's an easy calculation. And that is changing a lot with COVID. Um, I'm sure you've seen it, felt it, read it. Oh, yeah. You know, I have a brother who's, um, he, he basically manages some of the business, the buildings uh, in downtown Chicago for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And, you know, they struggled getting people back. And now they're getting people coming back into the office. But the square footage per employee, where they shrunk it, and now they're having to increase it for to get protection, mm-hmm. um, it's changing. But like commercial real estate agents used to have this rule that 175 to 250 square feet per person and that shrunk, and now apparently I'm you know, talking to my brother, but also to a couple of real estate brokers in Chicago, that seems to be expanding. So it definitely is a changing number. Well, I find that interesting because I know that some businesses, or quite a few businesses, including the company my wife works with, they're in the office partial time, right? So mm-hmm. um, my wife likes to go into the office two to three days a week and work from home two to three days a week, just depending on, you know, what kind of week it is and what work she has to do, who else is going to be in the office, you know, for collaboration. I'm wondering if that's being taken into account as far as maybe partial uh, work weeks, or if it's just truly, here's the workspace that, that people are going to be occupying. And so this is what the square footage is based on. Yeah, I think there's two things happening that I've read about and I've heard from clients is one is like the whole hot cot theory, you know, going back to the military. But somebody comes in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, somebody else comes in the rest of the week, they might share an office or Mm -hmm. share like a workstation. But the other part, too, is there was a a pretty big company in town where we're at in Valparaiso, Indiana, that had just completed a renovation of their offices, one of their corporate headquarters, complete open space mod, you know, model. Mm-hmm. And now they had to completely, you know, they couldn't go back to work because you just couldn't have an open space uh, work, work office like that. And they've had to really kind of redo it again. Um, so the whole opening versus now closing it up and giving people offices, that's also changed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just find that interesting. I, I'm just waiting for the whole Star Trek thing where people can just beam in, beam out. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, there's, it just makes it so much easier. Just put on your headset, your virtual reality headset, and oh, show yeah. up at the office, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what we tell people is keep track of this one, but be aware that it's changing. And also, like all these indexes, these ratios, they're very industry-specific. So one of yeah. the things we do is we help companies kind of track down what those ratios should look like for their particular company and their particular industry. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, what's the second one? Second one is the ratio of promoters and detractors. So... This one actually is a wonderful ratio that I think everyone should think about. It, there was a company that, it's basically a company created something called the Net Promoter Score. That's really what this is. And it's a simple question where you're just saying on a scale of zero to 10, how likely are you to recommend me to a friend or colleague? And what you try to do is take the people who have given you a nine or a 10, you know, they're promoters, mm-hmm. and then you uh, put them into a category and then you calculate the ones who are uh, not promoters, you know, they're giving you maybe a score from zero to six, and then you compare it. So for example, if 60% of the respondents gave you a nine or 10, and maybe 40% of the respondents gave you a zero to six, that's a 60, 40, 
or 60 minus 40, not to get too into the numbers, but you have a score of 20. You mm. just compare the people who are promoting to the people who are not promoting. And it's a, just a really good indicator of, um, of how well you're serving clients. In fact, we recently sent out a request for a proposal and we helped a company go through this RFP process for a 401k plan that they're having reevaluated. And it came, we looked at six carriers, six vendors. We ended up meeting with three. And really the net promoter score uh, for one of them was just so much drastically better that actually became one of the key criteria for selecting them. So hmm. it's it's a, it, it, and the nice thing is it it goes across industries. So you could be trucking, manufacturing, restaurants. Yeah. The net promoter score is something that really is applicable to all industries and it's a really good indication and it's something that the, the buyers will want to know about. And some, I've actually seen buyers come in and have them um, do surveys to find out in advance before they even made an offer what their score is. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have not heard that one before, and that's and that's fantastic. I mean, that, that's you, you want to create raving fans, and if you know that you know a company has raving fans already, that they've got that fan base, that's huge. I mean, for any sale. Yeah, and I think we've struggled over the years. All everyone does trying to get survey clients, get impact in, uh, input from clients. How are we doing? But I think this net promoter score is actually fairly simple, um, and it it seems to be a really good indicator of how well you're doing and how loyal your clients are and how good you're serving them. All right. What's the third one? So number three, um, so it's similar to the first one, employee per square foot, but this one is also what we call sales per square foot. So hmm. this is very industry specific. So for example, like a retail restaurant or like if you're in a shopping mall, you might have something like annual sales per square foot of let's say 300 to 500 um, whereas Google, they might be more like, you know, 10 million per square foot. So it's very industry specific. If you're a trucking company and you have corporate space uh, compared to a accounting firm that might have multiple locations, mm -hmm. it's very different. But what a buyer will come in and look at is how efficient are you? How, uh, how efficient are you with the real estate you're required to have? Do you own it? Are you leasing it? Um, Etc. And this is just a really good benchmark um, to give the buyer, the potential buyer, the indication of how efficient you are with in terms of generating revenue with the real estate that you have. Yeah, that's so interesting because I, I think of two separate situations. One, when I was younger, I worked at a warehouse. We did uh, we shipped building material all over the world um, based out of Seattle. You know, so it was, mm -hmm. it was ship a lot of shipping. Well, it was a huge warehouse with all the materials that we needed. There was very little office space, quote unquote. And so both of those things per employee and then sales per square foot would be radically different than a, a company that maybe they everyone works virtually, right? And they don't even have a localized office. Um, and and so the but the business could be highly valued you know i mean it's that that yeah being industry specific is very i don't even know how you begin to to track that but obviously you've got the tools and resources to do that yeah a lot of times we go right to the industry associations um industry periodicals there's a lot of typically consultants who work very industry specific or we could find out some of the changing ratios and really again COVID has changed a lot of this you can imagine that a a uh, storefront on amazon which mm -hmm. has really no square feet probably, or, you know, and maybe all their inventory is stored by the vendor, um, they're going to have much higher ratios, which may look good compared to just a retailer at a shopping mall, but you need to compare apples to apples when you go True. through that. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then related to that is number four, because we just talked about sales or revenue, is revenue per employee. Typically, payroll is the number one expense for most businesses. And any buyer coming in is going to want to know, like, uh, what is your revenue per employee? So, for example, just getting back to Google, I, I Googled it, and I found out that their revenue per employee exceeds a million dollars, where, wow. like, in my industry, when we benchmark, um, you know, advisory firms, wealth management firms, it could be anywhere from three hundred to 500000 per employee. So, mm-hmm. very industry-specific. And traditional employee-dependent companies are more like ninety to 100000 um, but what they're gonna, what a buyer's gonna want to know is, in addition to what we talked about earlier, like employees per square feet, um, you know, the sales per square feet, revenue per employee gives you a really good indication of how effective you're managing your most valuable resource, which is people, um, you know, to generate revenue. So this is a really important one, and I, I listed at number four, but in hindsight, I probably should have moved it up to maybe one or two. Yeah. Well. I'm not going to fault you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. uh, Number five. Number five. So customers per account manager. Now, this is a tricky Hmm. one because obviously, not obviously, but it's very industry specific. So in our industry, just as example, we can't have one advisor working with 500 clients. It just, there's just not enough hours in the year, in the day, in the month. Whereas in the banking industry, not to pick on bankers, but you know, I've looked at their statistics and they typically, uh, like a private banker, um, a retail banker at a, um, like a, if you go and walk into a, any bank, they typically will handle 400 to 500 accounts you know, that they're assigned to. Um, in our industry, just because we commit to so much planning and so much in-depth um, analysis, we are more like 50 to maybe 90 or 100. That's about as much as any individual advisor can handle. In fact, what we do is we make sure that every client we work with has a primary and a secondary advisor listed mm-hmm. in, in every meeting so that um, there's backup and clients always know that we are giving them in-depth prompt customer planning attention, but also it helps us manage our ratio. Whereas like I have a, a client that's in construction where they have a series of um, uh, service contracts and that one manager, one employee probably only services five or six, but they're really large, you know, customers. So mm-hmm. again, this is very industry specific, um, but this is one definitely buyers want to know because we've talked in previous podcasts about the fact that there's something called a Switzerland discount where a buyer's going to pay less if your company relies on one or two key people, one or two key vendors, one or two, you know, key customers. And in this case, they're definitely going to want to know how many customers or how many people your key people are serving and working with, because if that person, your key person is gone, the buyer's going to have a real problem. Yeah. Well, this goes back to something that happened. I, I think you and I have actually spoken about this on the podcast before, but I bought life insurance a long, long time ago when mm-hmm. my wife and I were first married and first had kids. Um, one of my buddies had gotten into the business and he was in the business for about eight months and that, that when he was done, but the life insurance policy that we had purchased was then taken over by another rep, right? Just some other rep really didn't know who it was and it was a 10 year term policy. And wouldn't you know it for nine years, we didn't hear from anybody, <laughs> did not hear 
a stinking thing. And then all of a sudden, when my policy was about to be done, some guy came out of the woodwork. Oh, by the way, I'm your I'm your representative. I'm your you know, <laughs> he he was my quote unquote account manager. Well, right. however many thousands of people that he quote unquote had as an account manager, he wasn't servicing anybody. You know, he was yeah. just basically trying to ride the the sale, and then he wanted to make another sale. He's like, oh well, let me tell you about myself. No, I'm good. I haven't heard from yeah. you for nine years. You know, so why am I talking to you now? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I remember I remember talking to an advisor, an insurance advisor, years ago, and. They have they call them orphans. <laughs> you were an orphan, basically. Exactly. Where they've got all these policies. There were the advisors gone. They went somewhere else, and there's thousands and thousands of them. And um, you, yeah, you're going to get reached out to when they see activity, as opposed to providing proactive advice. Exactly. So the number six one that we look at, and this one is different in the sense that it's really not applicable to every industry. Um, it's more important for some, and. It's also more important, really, that you're tracking progress versus uh, comparing yourself to industry benchmarks. And that's called prospects per visitor, or how many leads does it take for you to convert to a client? That mm -hmm. lead conversion ratio is probably another way to put it. But more and more, the buyers are looking at what kind of web presence do you have? Are you generating leads from the web presence, from social media, from marketing? And if you're generating those leads, how often are you uh, converting into clients? So to be frank, we don't even have this. You know, this is something we've kind of looked at, toyed with, struggled with, but our services are so customized that we don't market to everybody. We're just mm -hmm. not, we're not a good fit for everybody. We're very niche specific. So it's hard for us to, to measure website visitors, conversion ratios, et cetera. But if you are um, in the car industry, I have a client who, owns a car dealership and this is critical for him because they're actually now selling more cars online than they are in the dealership itself mm. uh, which is just mind-boggling but when when somebody comes in to look at his dealership or when um whether you're gm mazda ford whatever when you know the corporate comes in to say how are you doing they're immediately looking at your statistics online your conversion ratio and how many cars you're selling that way so some industries are really, really critical for this, some are not. But it's an important one to at least know about because a lot of buyers are going to want to come in and ask you how you're doing with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I know that there's a ton of ways to gather information, and, and a lot of people are resorting to online ads. And you can look at all that data. You know, if they click on the ad, then are they clicking through to the point where they're giving you their information to get more information, whether that's an email address or are they clicking through to get to the website from the ad? I mean, there's there's so many ways to look at statistics that I, I can't imagine any company nowadays not doing that that relies on the internet uh, for their you know, for the base of their marketing. Like you said, you, you don't, because that's not what you guys are about. And that's not how you track these things. Um, cause you're very, very specific, but there's so many companies out there that this is integral. This, I mean, this is something they have to do. Yeah. And, and I think what we have found is it's easy to get people to click. It's easy to get people to read. It's very difficult to get somebody to converse with you or connect with you mm -hmm. online. And then somehow, get them to cross that bridge to come offline. The car industry seems to be doing it very well. Restaurants are doing it really well. Others are not. I mean, actually, telemedicine seems to be doing it really well, much mm. better. You know, 
I read an article recently about the mental health uh, professions where they've almost gone exclusive, you know, telemedicine online, but as a result, they're serving more people because, um, you know, a lot of people just wouldn't go in. So anyway, there, there's pros and cons, but the, the point is you just need to be aware of it because the buyers might ask you about it. And if you think about it and you plan in advance and you have your statistics ahead of time, I think you'll be better off and you'll probably get a better price. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you've covered your six. What else do we need to know today? Well, uh, just to summarize, you know, any business owner, any acquirers, they want pounds of data. It's just amazing. We always kind of warn clients in advance of what the due diligence process is going to look like. And even when you warn them, it's just an overwhelming process because they want more and more data. And, and having these ratios in advance, and I've worked with a number of clients who have great accounting great CFOs, but they don't really have the capacity to create these ratios. And it's something that we can help you help clients with just to prepare a package that might have some of the these numbers or introduce and expand your team so that you have the right people who can also present that information to potential buyers. So think about it and get on it. That's what I would say. All right. Good deal. Tim, this has been great information again, as always. And uh, if, if somebody wants to reach out and just say, hey, look, I, I, I have a couple of these things, but out of these six, I, I probably need to work on a few of them. Um, what's the best way to get a hold of you so they can start this conversation? You can send me an email at tscannell at hightoweradvisors.com or give me a call at 219-531-4941. And just as an FYI, we also have a quick survey that people can take and I can send the link to create this value builder questionnaire survey that helps us give you kind of eight points, including these six and kind of measures how well you're doing with them. So reach out and I'd be glad to help. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Tim, so much for your time today. Well, thank you. Appreciate Eric as always. You bet. And our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wall Street podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 